0: Have you struggled with pain, physical, emotional, or mental? Have you lived with what feels like maybe more than your fair share of pain? There is a famous quote, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. How can we reduce suffering if that is indeed optional? I've learned that by understanding more about pain and how we react to it, we can get ourselves feeling better, potentially heal what is hurting us and even find that our lives are better than before. That's what we're here to talk about on today's Thinking Vitamins podcast, transmuting pain with Dr. Peter DeShane. Dr. Deshane is a professional coach, seminar leader, clinical hypnotherapist, neurotherapist, and chiropractor. He has appeared on TV. He's been published in journals. He's produced over 25 CDs on hypnosis, neuroenhancement, persuasion. He does many private seminars. He's taught for top universities. He's taught for medical schools, and he's been in private practice for 27 years integrating the many things that he does to meet his clients where they are at and help them or co-create with them an impossible future. I'm really excited to share this conversation that I had with him on pain. We as a world really just don't know how to deal with pain. So in this episode, we look at the source of pain and where does it come from? And we explore these ideas. We explore the emotional component, the mental component, the physical components. We look at how we react to pain. We talk about a technique called neuro emotional technique that can help you release emotional pains that might actually be causing physical ailments. There's so much we cover in this episode. We look at mind body connection. If you're a parent, there's an incredible technique. they shares that you can use with a child who is expressing a need for love or expressing anger because they don't feel loved. Before we dive into the conversation with Peter, Just one last thing, if you have been listening to the Thinking Vitamins podcast for a while, if you've been enjoying the show, please take a moment to follow the show. It would be greatly appreciated. And with that, let's dive in to today's episode with Dr. Peter DeShane on transmuting pain. Thinking Vitamins with Jill McCain met 31 years ago however the point at which i really came to understand your gift if i even understand it yet (laughs) but i don't so when i was recovering from my car accident and or not recovering from and i had been in the care of a chiropractor for a year and not getting better at the rate at which would have been expected for my level of injury. I went to visit a friend in London, Ontario, where you had your clinic and I had a spasm, an outbreak, and I was like, who do I know? Who can I call on? And of course, the guy that I used to party with through my brother at (laughs) university, I decide I'm gonna call on you. And then you give me this treatment that was so sensational, I realized I needed more. And very shortly after that, you said to me, Jill, sometimes pain is trapped in the body through emotional events. Mm-hmm. Can we try this thing called NET, neuro emotional technique? I later learned. Now, what's funny is the original chiropractor had suggested there might be an emotional element, and I took great offense. Look, how. How dare you tell me my injuries are caused by emotion, but you said it, you have such a great, let's call it for a doctor, you know, it's called bedside manner, patient manner. You just said it in a way that didn't make me feel wrong. And I went, sure. I loved it. So can you talk a little bit about neuroemotional technique? Cause I think, I know we're going to go further than that here, but I think just starting there—that was my first introduction to this concept that I could have physical pain that was a representation of a most emotional
1: strain. So uh, I first got introduced to that concept back in first year of chiropractic college through craniosacral therapy and using somato-emotional release. And the thing that kind of sealed it for me was I remember reading the book where the person said, "Listen, something as simple as some celluloid with a magnetic strip on it." I can store audio and video, right? That's a VCR tape. Something as simple as that can store that level of information. Our cells are orders of magnitude more sophisticated. So what makes think they can't store that kind of information as well. And when you read something and you read it and you go, that's truth. That's not a small T truth. That's a big T truth. And, and so throughout all of my journey prior to learning, I had an awareness of that and I did a lot of training in hypnosis and mind-body connection, things like that, and what I not found to my satisfaction, was a tool that allowed me to consistently engage with that part of the healing process. Sometimes a person would have an emotional release on the table. Sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes I would get the sense that it could be one of the best things for them. But for whatever reason, we couldn't access that layer of healing for them. And so I said, universe, I need a tool. I need a tool that is pretty fast. And cause I'm impatient, don't, uh, I want to get this done and allows me to integrate mind and body and is something that uh, as a chiropractor allows me to really step into the strengths of, this, of the tools that I already have. And, and two weeks later, a brochure comes across my desk. Cause this was in the day of brochures and not like emails, right? Back in the day, for NET. And I remember looking at it and going, well, I think this might be it. The universe heard me and I got this. And so I went away, the training it was a four day training in Chicago. And, and what was really neat about it is that they took a bunch of systems and amalgamated them in a very uh, an elegant fashion, right? So they took Chinese medicine and they said, well, in Chinese medicine, we've got meridians and these meridians are energy channels. Each energy channel is connected to an organ, right? So you've got kidney, kidney meridian, liver meridian, that kind of thing. And then. When these meridians go out of balance, there is a tendency for certain emotions to emerge that we would consider. I don't think of them as negative emotions, but I might think of them as out of balance emotions and so liver is connected to anger, fear is connected to kidneys. And when I first learned it, I thought that's a little bit different, but cool. <clears throat> and then I realized we talked that way all the time. Like I was so scared. I almost peed myself. There's that kidney fear meridian, the angry alcoholic, there's the liver meridian and Really what happened is in Chinese medicine, they just took it a few steps further so they could codify it and work with it consistently. In the Western mode of we've separated body and mind so completely, we didn't take it further like we could have. And so they brought meridian theory into it. They brought muscle testing, which I think is originally a chiropractic technique, but has since gone far beyond chiropractic which is a way of communicating with different layers of intelligence of the body. So we've got our conscious awareness, which is probably the smallest piece and we've got our unconscious. And I think a subset of the unconscious is our body awareness, our body wisdom. I see them as similar, but not completely identical. And so our conscious mind, I figure if all of our problems were conscious, we would fix them because we're smart. We would go, that makes no sense. Why am I doing that? And we just stop. But that's not what happens. We recreate patterns and events within our lives, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that don't necessarily make a lot of sense in the terms of are they for our highest and best good, but they keep on reappearing. And so to me, that screams that there's something happening at a much deeper level of processing and muscle testing allows us to get there, it allows us to get past conscious defenses and plumb in a yes, no manner, deeper awarenesses that we have. And so they did that and then they borrowed on some psychotherapeutic ideas, like that there was probably a time when this pattern installed itself. And so when it did say it was a pattern that started when you're three or four years old, well, there's going to be a significant portion of yourself. When that pattern fires up, that will regress back to that age. So now you've got this wounded four-year-old trying to negotiate an adult circumstance and it just doesn't work well. And I think we've all had the experience of either ourselves or being in a situation where you're sitting there, there's somebody like really losing their mind and you're sitting there, I feel like I'm talking with a tantrumy toddler right now. What's going on? Is that pattern started back then? So they'd regress back to that point. So if we can figure out when did it start? So I call it the inception, but was there a particular event? It was related to it. And sometimes it's a singular event. Sometimes it's a series, a singular event. So did, was there a point where mom or dad just looked at the kid derisively and say, you're stupid, why would you do that? And then for the rest of their life, if somebody looks at them a certain way and calls them stupid, they just fall apart. It just red lines them immediately. And, or sometimes it's a series of events that happened. One of the most common ones we see is say, Somebody moved when they were seven or eight years old, they end up in a new school. And so now they got to try and fit into an unfamiliar environment. And usually that means in part selling oneself out a bit to fit in. And so then that can become a pattern that plays out further on in their life that has to be resolved. So that's another concept. I think another piece out of that is that people will tend to fall into patterns that they're most familiar with. Not what's good for them. And where we see a classic one with that is relationships. People will get into relationships that mirror prior experiences, but are not necessarily the best relationship for them, but it's what they're familiar with. It's there's a the classic of, you take a look at two people on pieces of paper. Person A, you look and go, man, on paper, this guy is fantastic. This person would be right at my alley. Person B, you look and go, this person's a bit of a train wreck. And then you meet them in person A, there's nothing going on, but I don't know. There's something about person B that is attractive. It's interesting. Well, chances are that's unresolved stuff in one's past that you're familiar with the dance and so you'll be attracted an unconscious level to person B. So that's uh, one of the metrics I've seen happen is people make changes and shifts in their life is just simply the quality of people they attract into their life, whether that's partner quality or friend quality, business person quality. It starts to evolve and change for the better. And it's really neat to see. So if we take it, yeah. And so if we take a look at sort of these tools and then we take a look at the idea of emotions that get trapped in the body, that emotion is really short form for energy and motion. And so long as that energy is moving through the body, it might be momentarily uncomfortable, but the energy moves through, it peaks, it surges. We feel off and then it subsides. We're fine. But if that emotion, that energy becomes so great. That it essentially short circuits that meridian, it overwhelms it. Then we can't resolve it. So in psychology, we call that an uncompleted gestalt. In NET, you say it's trapped energy. <clears throat> Same phenomenon, I really think. It's just a different way of putting it. And so with NET, what we do is the correction then is freeing up the energy so that the system can process it, move through it so that it's no longer this reverberating circuit in the background that will get activated when we least want it to and will have a tendency to attract similar similar phenomena to us in order to I like to think in order to learn and resolve, but certainly within the phenomenology of it's a familiar energy. And since we're familiar with them, we'll interact with them more easily, for better or worse.
0: So that was my introduction to these pains that were these emotions that were stuck in certain organs and they were causing physical manifestations and that i wasn't getting better fast enough for my car accident or as fast as we would have expected Mm -hmm. and then on a more subtle level and you went there from the relationship standpoint they were also affecting me in interpersonal relationships so they were at this point that we reconnected they were manifesting physically Mm -hmm but they had been manifesting through my relationships for years. And the physical was the last phase. And I do—I have a friend who's a psychologist who said, it's acceptable to get treatment for physical ailments. So sometimes when we have these stuck yes. emotions it's and they're true. affecting it's our true. interpersonal relationships or our work or our friendships or our realm, it's harder to be validated for that emotion. And so mm. we can create illness because they're, it's okay. Oh yeah, if you get sick, yeah, we need to take care of you. Yeah. So we're not validating emotions. So what happens is, let's say you have a crick in your neck. Peter, well, This is what happened with me. Peter would say, what is this coming from if it wouldn't go away? And we'd poke at my organs gently, my liver or my kidney or my spleen. It was not rough. <laughs> <laughs> Just, he had a muscle testing system and would identify a former event that was at the source of this physical manifestation of the pain. And he mentioned that he's impatient and he likes things to be quick. I'm also impatient and I was impressed with how fast it was because I had tried things like therapy in the past and I didn't experienced yes. that very well. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying I didn't have a great or effective experience with it. And this I loved because it was so quick. Within 5 minutes, I'd released a lifelong emotional mm-hmm. pattern and with that, the physical healing was able to follow. Am I getting that right? That's what how I experienced it, but
1: Yeah, perfect. And that was my experience when I did the training. You do a training like this, you come in with a laundry list of here's stuff I need fixed in my life. And I still remember there being one where they did a clear that if it took 15 minutes, that would have been a long time. Maybe even just 10. And the instructor said, okay, you're clear. And when your inner bullshit meter just goes off the charts. So I had that moment, right? Whereas I've I've gone to therapy, I've meditated, I've journaled. This is not budged. And you're saying in this 10 to 15 minute slot, you've done something with it. And the guy was great because he just said, listen, just... Be patient, see what happens next time this comes up. And it was really quite amazing because about two weeks after the training, a circumstance came up that would have fired off that pattern. And I sat there waiting for the emotional reaction, waiting to <laughs> lose my mind. And I didn't. I just sat here and thought, all I've got is a reasonable adult response to this, which is solution-based, what's the next step to get this cleaned up? And that that was, I have those moments where I said, like, I got it.
0: I don't know if you remember, I did the same thing to you. I strongly remember you did one of these with me about a situation that was really enraging me. And I was so upset by this evildoer who was in, in my life and hurting someone that I cared about. And I remember, I remember we did the five minute process and that it was clear. And my bullshit meter went off and I said, Oh, that's great. So now that person is just not going to be in my life. This is the best. I love this. And I just remember being, oh, get lost. This is ridiculous. And you just looked at me and you said, it's not that, Jill. It's that you're not going to care. It's that it's just not going to set you sideways. Yeah. You're, and to your point, a You're going to be able to respond in a way that is appropriate to your age to your knowledge to your problem-solving abilities you're not going to regress into destructive behaviors and you were right it never set me off again and that's been over a decade and it had been something that was setting me off for over a decade so it was just an amazing aha so that's neuroemotional technique physical ailments potentially begin as emotional situations that we're not dealing with in the, maybe the physical manifestation of this is the final strike. It's like where it's, okay, I'm not getting attention in any other way. Fine. Let's do something physical mm-hmm. and see if that gets attention. Would that be fair to say, Peter?
1: Uh, yeah. Like it's almost like the system. And, and now within the NET framework, they do acknowledge the four elements they would say that have to do with health and well-being. One is structure. So massage, chiropractic, physio, exercise, are you taking care of your structure? Emotions, the other part, are you taking care of your emotional well-being and emotions having that energetic quality to them? The third would be external toxicities. So are you in a toxic environment? Are you eating food that is not supportive of your unique physiology, for instance? And then the third would be internal toxicology, which would be more understanding your genetics. As an example, I've got a friend who, because of some of her genetic setup, if she eats too much protein. She overproduces ammonia and goes toxic. And so knowing that she keeps her either, she keeps her protein intake moderate or if she's doing some training and have you worked that way, she takes supplements to aid in the movement of ammonia back into urea because she knows that about herself. And then I think the trick with anything that's going on is to understand the proportion That each one of those plays then within one's, whatever you're focusing on. So that if you go, well, listen, I'm exercising, I'm taking care of my structure, my diet's clean. And as far as I know, I don't have any genetic hiccups, but this problem keeps on coming back. That's your body screaming for attention, yourself. It's yourself screaming for attention through your body. And like you say, I've got, and guys are particularly notorious for this. They will come in and they're happy for me to treat them for the low back pain. And I might be able to use that as an entry into what's your stress like. But they will not come in for their stress nine times out of ten. Some enlightened fellows will, but most will not. And yet I can work on a person and get a pretty good sense of how much of this is mechanical, how much of this is stored emotional energy and tension within the system. And you're right about people, societally, unfortunately, it's still more acceptable to seek care for physical pain. And I think sometimes the body goes like, listen, I've given you the nudges. I've given you the winks. I've given you the pokes, I've not paid attention. <clears throat> so now you get the two by four. Most of us don't ignore the two by four.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's why so many people who've received the two by four end up I think through the process of healing and looking after all those parts of themselves, the structure, the emotion, the outer Mm -hmm. and inner toxicity that you hear many people refer to those two by fours as gifts. But it would be nice if the pokes and the prods and the taps Mm -hmm. on the shoulder, it would be nice if we had that kind (laughs) of world. I was motivated to reach out to you when I witnessed a child fall off his bike, holding his leg in, in absolute agony and screaming at the top of his lungs. And I, I think who probably was his brother was, had been with him ahead of him on the bike. I was the first one sort of there, it was on this path and I was saying, it's okay. Just cry, let it out. Where is it? And I'm, I'm trying to see what's going on. The mother sauntered up, sauntered up with a friend or a sister or someone, and I started saying, get up, like barely looked at it, just said, get up, come on, get up. And I just watched mm. this, unf- and I, I'm sure my face was like, you're kidding, <laughs> this poor child. I'm sure, I'm sure my face, which sometimes I have a hard time having a poker face, was not a poker face. And she looked at me and said, "Ugh, he does this all the time. And I was so heartbroken and I thought this is, this was, this is the genesis of something for this kid or part of the genesis for something for this kid, because clearly this was something that's on rinse and repeat in his life. He's having injuries and potentially overreacting, Mm -hmm. hoping for love or affection and instead getting, get up, suck it up buttercup. I wanted to reach out to you and talk about pain because I know, as you're a parent, mm-hmm. you have you have clinical knowledge, years and years of knowledge of unpacking this after it's been packed up. What? And I'm curious. Like, I was watching this happen and feeling powerless, and wondering, what do? Can we unwind the original event? Can we get to this sooner? Do we have to wait until we're 30, 40, 50 to unpack this stuff?
1: There's some really good questions, And, and even as, as a parent, I hear that scenario when I go in two different directions and one is a direction similar to yours is like, that's pretty dismissive. But on the other hand, I don't know, maybe this kid has a history of being histrionic. And maybe the best thing is buddy, you're okay. Let's get up. Now, I think what I might've done differently, if it was the latter, instead of just get up, suck it up buttercup, it would be like, dude. You're tough. You know how tough you are. Let's look at this. Okay. There's nothing broken. Your skin's a little banged up. It's a good thing. You're such a tough person. And so how do we affirm, or there's been times where uh, my youngest has done a bad wipeout and this dude's built like a tank, but he has a bad wipeout and he'll start to cry and look and I'll say, are you crying because that scared you or you really hurt? And he'll say, I think I'm more scared. Okay. Let's take some deep breaths in. Let's check you
0: out, girl. Okay. I'm going to pop in. That's a profoundly different response. That is beautiful to me. What I'm hearing is not a dismissiveness, mm-hmm. not a get up, come on, enough. It's like, all right, to me, that sounds like it takes, oh, the same amount of time, if not less time. To me, that sounds quite efficient. And I've done similar things mm-hmm. with my mm-hmm. nephew with like, all right, where is it? Can I, I'm always like, can I kiss it? And tears melt immediately. Like when this terrible wound is kissed, okay, first of all, (laughs) let's kiss it. That's gotta happen. And it's okay. All right, next. But I actually think your response of saying, all right, you're a pretty tough person. Okay. Is that emotion? Was it frightening? Was it scary? Is there a physical pain? I think right there is an acknowledgement that there is
1: something. And so if we know there's something, then we can teach and we can model how you deal with it. I think I'm a pretty big believer in resilience, which is something that I think we're in danger of losing a lot of these days. And resilience, because life life is sometimes pretty harsh. Sometimes it's beautiful, but when it's harsh, we get knocked down, we need to know how to get back up. And so if my son 20 years from now gets knocked down, metaphorically, if not physically, but he thinks, I'm a pretty tough guy. I should get up. I got this. I'm not injured. I'm just a little scared. Then he gets up and he does what needs to get done. And as opposed to maybe somebody who's been completely dismissed, either they amplify more to try and get a reaction or. They put themselves down and say, I I guess I'm just histrionic. And I really, it's not a generative thing. It's a degenerative self perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that as parents, we always got to keep in mind, what are we reinforcing, what are we helping, what are we building and what are the lessons? Like don't, don't try and shield your child from every difficulty because life isn't like that when you leave the nest, but you sure can model how to handle the difficulties in a constructive manner. Wow. And if we can do that. Then we really give them a hand out. If we think about pain, there's also two elements. So my honors thesis wasn't pain. And my project was, I had to recruit my friends and shock them, literally hook them up to an electrical thing and shock them with different waveforms to see if there's one that was less pleasant or more intense. I called in a lot of favors to get my thesis done, let me tell you. And so what was interesting that has come out of the literature is there's two elements to pain. There's unpleasantness and there's intensity and that they're mediated by two different circuits in the brain. And while they tend to move together, they don't necessarily. And so I'll give you an example. There's one time where I had a very bad dental infection, which dental pain is pretty spectacular. And so I was prescribed a Percocet. I should not take a lot of Percocets because they're marvelous for me. They do something for me, right? But I still remember taking one. And all of a sudden, all the unpleasantness of the pain was gone, but the intensity was there. So it's like, the intensity is an eight out of 10. The unpleasantness is a one out of 10. So I'm just like, whoa, that's really intense, man. And so these things can be teased apart. And what's really interesting is they can be teased apart contextually as well. So if a person is doing something that they really enjoy, say they're doing a sport or a workout and they're pushing it, so their physical intensity of pain might be a seven or an eight, but because you are really enjoying it, the unpleasantness is a two. And so they can, you can parse these things out quite dramatically. And I think that can also be for psychological pain as well. This emotion I'm having is very intense. Is it unpleasant? How do I, can I make the distinction between the two so that the unpleasantness doesn't become so overwhelming that I get concerned by it?
0: Wow. A, I'm feeling pretty impressed with myself yeah. for realizing I should call you about pain because you had this very peculiar thesis. <laughs> I have many curiosities as to why you chose that thesis. which yes. I'm going to put on hold for a moment to explore <laughs> to explore the idea because you talk about the unpleasantness versus the intensity, which I find interesting. And what comes to mind immediately is the idea that we persist there is a payoff for some negative behaviors and maybe that's the how much we enjoy that is there anything is am i mm-hmm. making like erroneous links or is there something here am i yeah
1: exactly how do we the unpleasantness so what's is there a payoff to that and again this isn't about Blaming somebody who is experiencing something, right? That's the last thing I would ever want to do. It's much more about just understanding, right? The idea of we can have emotional addictions. And so pain gets us out of certain things. It allows us to be cared and supported for sometimes. And is that, does that give us an escape route? that if we didn't have that escape route we perhaps might make other choices in our life and again it's not about blaming anybody it's about
0: the pain is the escape route
1: yes so so if if i'm an overburdened parent with so much going on and i can hardly struggle to make my life work and i come down with some sort of pain syndrome which then means other people need to take care of me and i get to lighten up some of my responsibility that's a That's an interesting road to be on because there's going to be a part of you that says, no, I want to be a fully functioning parent and I got these duties and it's really important to me. And there's going to be a part of you that says, I like having a break. This would be one of the things in NET we get to ask. People bristle at this when we first introduce it, usually. What's the payoff for your pain? And they go, there's no payoff. It sucks. Maybe, but. Are you open to being, exploring that most people, and usually there's different things, there's a protector part of ourselves that's saying, I need to protect this person from overdoing it. So I'm going to introduce pain. here." There is the child that feels they were never cared for. And so how do we heal that? Because maybe that's an aspect of self really just crying out for care. And maybe there's an internal martyr that says I can only take time for myself when I'm right up against the wall, as opposed to it's okay. So that would be one of the things we work with IT would be the belief, it's okay for me to take time for myself, even when I'm healthy and whole. Okay, so now we can move a person out of say, using that as a lever to create some kind of stop gap in their life where they catch their breath and we can say, it's okay to do that even when you're doing well. So that protective feature is no longer. I
0: felt like this that I felt like you were giving me that as a gift right now I've learned how to take time for myself without being up against a wall yes that was one of my great life lessons and I'm sure there's some listeners here who are like oh yes (laughs) so if we think about are we experiencing pain or illness or something so that we can finally go, okay, I need some time for me. And now everyone will agree. Maybe the lesson is to find ways to take time. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because it does sound bad. I do certainly remember the first time someone said that to me, what's the payoff for the pain? And I was like, how dare you?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, and for, I'm like there's genuine suffering. So how dare you say that there's payoff in here when I've genuinely suffered with. And it's like, do you want to be right? Or do you want to get better? If you want to get better, we need to look at those parts of ourselves that we're not proud of.
0: I'm curious. I'm really constantly thinking about how do we, how do we stop some things in their tracks? And I really want to go back to how you might tell someone who's fallen, help them to find themselves as strong or help them identify themselves as someone who can get up. And the gentleness that can happen in that moment—I know one of, something that I globbed onto when I was young was when I thought I was stupid, and my mom said, "You have life smart, so you'll be smart when you get to the grown-up part of your life." So, I really love to punctuate that when we see someone in pain, what a gift we could give them to identify their strengths and abilities to get through it. I thought. That was a profound and simple reaction and something we could all take a moment and do when we see someone hurting. We could point out something resilient about them or something positive about them and maybe draw a link or connection for them about how they could use that ability to heal or become strong. And I think that's a gift that we can all give
1: Mm -hmm. with ease. One of the elements around that that I've found it is an acknowledgement of their pain before we talk about their strengths. And the reason that I found it effective, so you'll know, you use my son, uh, you look pretty surprised. You might be a little hurt what's going on is, so if I was talking to a friend, I would say even something as generic as you seem a little off, is there something going on? That's, you've got a heaviness of that. And the reason that I think that's important is people need to know that you get a sense of where they're at before you give them resources and show them where they could go. So that otherwise it can sometimes seem almost like Pollyanna, right? Oh, you're strong. You'll get past this as opposed to, yeah, you're in a freaking wall, man. That's really rough. I get why you're feeling that way. And then, and for a period of time, say, hey, and I've seen you go through works. You know that and then bring those resources back. Cause oftentimes when people are in the middle of something, They'll do things like they'll overgeneralize. So they'll say, this is always the way it's been. No, it's not always the way it's been. They will see their timelines get all messed up where they think it's going to be that way forever. No, it's not going to be, there'll, there'll be an end to it. There's an end to good things, there's an end to bad things. There's a timeline on all this stuff. So you can help them by degeneralizing, shifting a timeline, helping them remember time when, and sometimes say, I can't even remember time when this was the case, you can even say, what do you think it would be like if this was, and if they can't even imagine what it would be like if it was gone, what would it be like if it was ten percent better? And so acknowledge the pain, so there's a connection, and they know you're not just trying to snow them. You know what I mean? And then say, and let's find resources, because I know you got them in there.
0: The only reason I would ever imagine wanting to be as unwell as I was when I met you was to continue to be in treatment with you. (laughs) You are so good. I am brought back to your mastery at establishing rapport and connection and validating. And I know that it's not just me because I sent so many people to see you. And which was meaningful listeners because he was two and a half hours away away from where I live. And so it was a commitment to to go for such a long period of time. And everyone felt seen by you. And it brings me back to that saying that is part of communication training. I don't care how much until I know, how much you care, your way of just saying, of acknowledging, I see what's happening. I'm with you. That must hurt and identifying at that level. And you would always identify no matter what it was. So if it was, no matter what it was like, oh yeah, that would be really, that would be infuriating or that would be upsetting. Or you would really show me that whatever I was experiencing, you got it. And then, yeah, that's all. And then very smoothly, you'd move to, you'd shift to this. All right, can't stay there. What are we going to do about this? And. I think I've learned to do that for myself now. Mm. I've learned to witness myself and go, wow, I'm upset. I've actually gotten to a point where I go, wow, I'm upset. Ooh, something's <laughs> ready to go.
1: So that's when we're talking about like the intensity and the unpleasantness. Yeah. So you've done this. is actually a really elegant rewiring. I love it. So the, you feel the intensity of say, this is on, un- but instead of going, and it's so unpleasant, it's driving me down. It's like, Ooh. Another piece of the puzzle become like even more old. And so you created this, actually, it's a beautiful rewiring of taking the unpleasant and making it pleasant. And not in a way that it's like, oh, I want to dwell here, but oh, this is discovery. This is something. And, and then it becomes this really neat self perpetuating cycle of healing.
0: I have, Peter, yeah, about a year ago, I had about 10 minutes. I was at about 10 minutes of upset. Now <laughs> I'm less than a minute. And I'm like, oh, what is coming? What is going? What is going? Because, and so listeners, the reason I'm excited, just to articulate it in case you're wondering, what do you mean what's going? What I mean is that when I ask for something in my life, let's say I I set an intention or I have a mantra have a thinking vitamin for something I want to change or upgrade. And then shortly after putting that intention into the universe, something upsetting happens. I have now connected that upsetting thing to the thing I need to understand, heal, grow. Life is a learning experience. So there's something I need to learn in order to get that thing that has eluded me. And so I realize that upsetting event Ooh. is my path, and so the reason I've been able to shorten my duration in the pain cycle and not have it be unpleasant, as Peter's talking about, is that I'm connecting it to this, Ooh, that's like the test I need to pass <laughs> to get this thing I want, and so yeah, I, nice. I engage with it very differently.
1: I love there was a part that you said there, and the part you said, oh, this is my path, and that's brilliant because so many of us, it's like we get into resistance and rage against the indignity that just happened as if it wasn't supposed to happen. And I love your presupposition because these are just maps or beliefs. So which map, which presupposition serves us the best and your presupposition is beautiful because it is, oh, this is the path that i meant to be on. This is the next piece. And so then there's none of that resistance around not wanting it. And so all the energy you get to put towards it is understanding and resolving and healing. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I want to punctuate understanding and resolving and healing, because I think a lot of people say, oh, this is happening for the best. And a big thing for me is it's happening for the best. As long as you engage with it, like it's full frontal. It's yes. not, oh, I'll just mm-hmm. sit and wait and see what best happens. No, it's very active. It's what do I need to heal? I'll do a whole pono pano prayer. Like it's not, I get excited about the pain, but I also, to your point, I acknowledge my own pain. I say, okay, I'm feeling threatened, or I'm feeling embarrassed, or I'm feeling abandoned, or I'm feeling not understood. Where's that coming from? What, how have I created that for others in my life? Where have I done that? And so it's definitely full contact the way I s- mm-hmm. say, this is my path. I say, this is my path. And then I really dive into dive. the healing. So tell me some if there's a, I know we have to wrap up. But I did, is there a moment, you introduced quickly the idea of body-mind connection, not being Mm -hmm. big in Western medicine. I definitely am starting to send my attention to understand that better. I'm very new to that conversation. I'm wondering if you can speak, what comes to mind when I talk about, we talk about the concept of pain and body-mind. What comes to mind for you to share?
1: If you want to get a sense of, say, there's some there's a pain in your body and you're going, is there an emotion to it? It can frequently be as, as straightforward. I'm not going to say easy because it's one of those perhaps simple but not easy things of getting into that quiet space, really imagine traveling to that part of your body. And without agenda and simple curiosity asking, do you have a message for me? Is there something I'm meant to understand? Is there a message to this pain? Is this a signal from you? I'm open to receiving the information regardless of what it may be and then wait on it. And it can be interesting because sometimes it's just pure emotion. It might, it might be like, I don't know why have rage came into that. Okay, I've got all rage. Sometimes there's particular memories that are associated with it. So it can be any of those things. It can be, you may hear in your voice, you need to get straight with your parents. You need to let go of this. You need to forgive yourself. These are the sorts of things that are the entry point in. And in my experience when I do things that way, is that when I get it right, there is a very subtle but distinct body shift. And the way I would characterize it would be almost like an inner sigh, like that part, like if it was a shoulder, it feels like a shoulder goes, I've been listened to. And everybody's inner sigh will be different to some degree, but I think that sense of relaxation, connection, acknowledgement, those are the sorts of things. And then I think as you go further, further into that understanding, deeper down that rabbit hole, we get to the place where we'll feel an energy surge through, or we'll have a vision or we'll have experiences that go beyond that base recognition, but it starts with the base recognition and the willingness to name it and sit with it. And instead of ignore it, because that's what we've been trained to do, to be able to settle into it in a grounded and authentic way.
0: I really like this as I have paid attention to the body mind connection that a lot of intelligence is coming from the body and that we do have this signaling system. I have noticed as I am asking for lessons or things to let go of to to be more at peace and enjoy and flow and I have felt that inner sight. And so I'll run through: Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? In my head, at a slower pace, to give my body time to react. Yeah, yeah. So I'll think about ideas, and I'll present ideas, and then there's one. I'm lying down, where I'll just go. I'll just feel. Like, yeah,
1: that's the one.
0: I've now learned that's the truth moment, and I, like, oh, yes. what's that. And so is that one aspect of a body-mind connection?
1: That's exactly, I I think that's where our conscious awareness and our body-mind unconscious, they synchronize. And so if our unconscious is trying to be heard, you know what it's like if you're trying to be heard and nobody's listening, you get tense and eventually it manifests as a physical tension. And then when somebody finally listens and really listens, oh, that's all I wanted to say. Feel heard. There's a release in the system. And uh, on a side note, I've done the same thing when I have a dream that feels significant, I'll get in that quiet space and I'll run through, could it be this? Does this person represent this aspect of self? And the moment that I get it, there's, it just fits. It's like that square bag in a square wall I've And it feels good in the body, there's that, Acknowledgement. And again, it's subtle, but not subtle. It's subtle in the sense that you don't suddenly grow an inch, but there's no mistaking it.
0: Wow. I think that's one of the best descriptions of a body mind connection that i that's one of my favorite how about that that's one of my favorite because to think hey you know how you're trying to get a point across and nobody's listening and you just get all tense and it was like that's all i wanted to say i think that's that's like for the rest of my life that's all i wanted. to i've been trying to talk to you and yeah sometimes it's interesting i have been waking up with stiff hands stiff like really stiff hands mm okay i've been waiting up with stiff hands and feet really Mm -hmm. stiff and throughout the day really stiff and so yesterday and it's been about three days and yesterday i went okay what are you trying to say and i went through and i do it for dreams too and i went through and i was like okay i'm not i'm trying to handle everything myself i need more help Mm -hmm. i promise i will get more help do you think i woke up with stiff hands today
1: Oh. How cool is that? I did not. Love it. Love it.
0: And it was like stiff hands and feet to move forward. I need more help. And I made a vow. I'm like, I promise. So it was so interesting. And then I did a bunch of exercise. Then I looked up a bunch of hand exercises and flexibility exercises online. Like I didn't just do that. And I woke up today fine. I was going
1: to say that's a beautiful combination of we clear the emotional. And now we take care of the physical, make sure that aspect is taken care of too. And again, that's the integration.
0: I spent so much time in your care (laughs) and the care of many, but you were definitely that definite pivot point for my life turning out as well as it has Peter. But before we wrap up and before I cry, I do wanna ask, as we're wrapping up a conversation <laughs> on pain, these are happy tears of appreciation. As we wrap up a conversation on pain, is there anything that you'd like to add to this, to this conversation that we haven't covered yet? Can I
1: share a parenting story? I've got a number of parenting stories that would probably, will end up having my kid in the therapist office at some point, but I want to share one where I really feel like I nailed it as a parent that in some ways is cogent, but it's also, oh, I want to share this for anybody else who's interacting with kids because it was a huge piece. So my son and I, my youngest son and I are in conflict around, so not major, but enough that he's getting worked up. And he just says to me, daddy, I hate you. And I, now if I'd engaged at his level I'd be like, well, I don't care, I'm I said, that's okay, bud, because right now there's enough love in me for both of us. And, and I just watched him melt. And the situation was completely, it, it was good afterwards. It was warm. It was beautiful. And what was really cute is the next day he comes up to me and he looks at me, shy and he goes, Daddy, I hate you. Can you tell me how much love you have in you for both of us? I said, buddy, there will always be more than enough love in me for both of us. So I just put that out. To everybody that when somebody is acting out, whether it's he was seven at the time or somebody's inner seven-year-old is coming out, if we can hold a place where there's more than enough love in us for the two of you, then it always has a way of working out for the better.
0: Wow. That's really touching. That really hit me. That's beautiful, Peter. I think that's a beautiful note on which to close this podcast about many things, pain, healing, emotions, and love, enough love. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm grateful to have this chance to, to chat with
1: you. Thank you, Jill. It's uh, it's always a pleasure.
0: Before we wrap up, I'd like to thank you for spending this time with us today, chatting about how we can transmute pain into healing. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Peter DeShane. If you did, please go ahead and rate Like, subscribe to the show on whatever platform you are listening. There will be a way to share your love. And if you can leave a comment about where you're tuning in from and perhaps what ideas from the show really stood out to you. If you happen to be watching on YouTube and you haven't already, please remember to go ahead and subscribe to the channel and hit that bell so you get notified every time we share new content. I make the Thinking Vitamins podcast to improve your abundance in all forms, your health, your wealth, and your happiness. If you have any questions or queries or ideas for the show, please do go ahead and get in touch with us. You'll see how in our show notes, we'd love to hear from you. That's all for this episode. Until next time, wishing you light, love, healing, and abundance.
1: Subconscious